It's Fundamental Podcast is brought to you by MTU and WIT in conjunction with the Funds Academy. Okay, welcome to our latest episode of the It's Fundamental podcast. This is Ashing O'Mahony from MTU and I'm here with my colleague John Casey from WIT. Today we're going to be discussing a really interesting topic with a great guest, uh, the topic of blockchain. So many of you are likely interested in cryptocurrency and digital assets. It's a very hot topic in the investment management industry at the moment. However, if you're like me, you might not fully understand the underlying technology that goes with these cryptocurrencies and how exactly it works. Um, One phrase that John and I like to always quote is the Jeremy Irons quote of uh, speak to me like a small child or a golden retriever. And uh, that is how we feel in terms of how the blockchain technology works. So we have reached out to an expert in this field. Um, We're very lucky today to be joined by Dr. Mubashir Rahmani, um, a researcher and lecturer from MTU who has recently been accredited um, the very prestigious of being in the top 1% of most cited researchers in his field in the world. Um, And Dr. Rahmani's work focuses on wireless software and cognitive radio networks, as well as the topic at hand, blockchain and smart grids. So um, very welcome to the podcast, Dr. Rahmani. And uh, before we launch into blockchain, I just wanted to give a little bit about you. Um, You studied your undergraduate degree in Mehran University of Engineering and Technology in Pakistan. And your career has since brought you from Pakistan to Paris and here now to the tropical climes of John and my home places, uh, first Waterford and now Cork. So we just wanted to ask, how has that journey shaped you and how has it led you to focus on researching blockchain? Thank you very much uh, for this invitation. Uh, well, uh, I'm interested in exploring new topics in the domain of computer science mm-hmm. and I've found blockchain interesting so then I started exploring it and here in CIT, when I joined, uh, I designed a module of blockchain for uh, undergraduate and post uh, students. Mm-hmm. So when I was uh, collecting the material uh, uh, for teaching this particular module, I was unable to find a single textbook uh, that has both uh, uh, the theoretical and implementation aspects. Okay. So then I started, uh, you know, exploring this uh, topic and also started conducting research in this topic and this also resulted uh, in producing a textbook on blockchain uh, as an outcome of this module here at here at mtu wow and how long did it write you take you excuse me to write a textbook on blockchain yes for for this particular uh, uh, textbook it took one and a half year okay Uh, definitely just for the write-up of the draft itself but Mm -hmm. actually there was a lot of background studies going on for several years. Then uh, I came up with this uh, idea of writing the blockchain. Very good. Um, so I suppose that's obviously um, very, very advanced in terms of being at the stage where you're writing a textbook. So just to bring it back to people like myself who wouldn't be as familiar with blockchain, um, I just wanted to ask you, who invented blockchain? And could you please just explain to us maybe in, in simple terms, um, as you would to a complete beginner or a novice, what blockchain is? Okay, so first I will answer the last question uh, sure. about the blockchain. <laughs> Basically, people keep assets in the form of land area, shops, vehicles, agricultural land. Mm -hmm. And these assets need to belong to a person, group of, or an entity or or, or a government organization. So these uh, assets can be sold and one party to another. 
uh, in this context, first we need to prove the ownership uh, of these uh, assets. Secondly, uh, when we transfer this property or assets from one party to another, ownership record has to be updated. Similarly, uh, let's say if someone dies, all his or her assets have to be moved to the hires. Sure. So this also requires maintenance of the property of the assets uh, ownership. So this record maintenance is known as ledger. And, uh, basically, a ledger can record asset transfer within an organization or within uh, a government body. So from centuries, this has been done manually. And the records saved in registers like books or registers. That's a whole department established and name as registry if you look at uh, old government departments. Mm -hmm. So from the last few decades, this practice has been changed. And now this record keeping in ledgers is moved towards a computer. Means computers are now saving these ledgers and these records. Sure. So we have these uh, digital ledgers. Now these digital ledgers are maintained uh, using different uh, softwares like Microsoft Excel, databases like uh, uh, Oracle or any other. Now th there has been some advancement in how these records are maintained digitally on the computers. Mm -hmm. So with the evolution of internet and with the evolution of distributed computers, these uh, dis ledgers were uh, evolved also, and they are now in the form of distributed ledgers. So let me give you an example. Mm -hmm. For example, when you uh, use your ATM card, you make a transaction and get some money from the ATM. Uh, you know, that transaction has been recorded at the back end in a database. Yeah. So you make a transaction and this record, this asset uh, has been updated in the in the ledger. So this uh, this is done using a third party. You know, th there is a bank which checks your credentials, whether you have sufficient balance in your bank, and then they update the balance. Now, this third party uh, need to be reliable. And in our case, it is government uh, and banks says that remove this third party mm -hmm. and there is no need of third party there is no need of government regulatory bodies and we will make these transactions in such a manner that we will so that is the basic concept of blockchain it means blockchain says that we are creating trust among different parties without involvement of the third party okay. or regulatory body now there is some technical details but uh, in summary blockchain uh, providing trust among different parties to make transaction without the involvement of the third party. Okay. Now, uh, going back to uh, the first question. Now, since blockchain, technically speaking, it's like a database, a database or ledger that is saving your records on the computer. Uh, now, it has a lot of applications. You know, everywhere where you use a database, you can replace it with blockchain definitely there there's some uh, there will be some use cases uh, blockchain cannot be applicable in all the cases of uh, databases but majority of the times we can use blockchain in replacement of database now one one such an example of blockchain is cryptocurrency and one of the famous or first implementation of cryptocurrency was bitcoin so it was satoshi nakamoto mm -hmm. implemented uh, the Bitcoin blockchain mm -hmm. uh, using the blockchain concept. So if you say who invented the blockchain, so I can say the first implementation of blockchain in terms of cryptocurrency Bitcoin uh, was the person or, you know, a group of people, uh, Satoshi Nakamoto. 
Okay, I understand. So essentially, it's a, a historic concept, uh, almost as old as ledgers, I suppose, which we've been using since the beginning of time. And it's essentially just evolved so that you're no longer doing this manually, you're doing it digitally. And now you're actually removing that third party. So that, for example, if I wanted to transfer money to John, we would no longer need to do it via bank. We could uh, control that transaction ourselves with the trust relationship um, and do that digitally. And essentially, that is that that is the basics of the technology, if I've understood you correctly, uh, Dr. Rahmani. Exactly, okay. exactly. Okay, I understand. Oh, oh, yeah, that's very interesting, Dr. Rahmani. Um, I, I suppose my, my question then, and forgive me if this is all just a little bit very basic, because <laughs> uh, my understanding then is that there's a whole load of computers uh, that are then effectively talking to one another uh, to ensure that uh, there's no corruption or that there's no, um, I suppose, that I'm not, when I'm transferring the money to, to, to Ashing, that I'm not kind of saying, to, to, I'm not kind of misrepresenting myself uh, with regard to the amount of money I could potentially have. And the computers effectively all validating the transaction amongst themselves. Is that accurate? Yes, yes. So there is a technical aspect behind that. So let's say there are uh, 10,000 computers around there. Uh, so, uh, that are involved in this, in that transaction. So when you make a transaction, uh, those uh, more than fifty uh, computers uh, need fifty percent of the computers need to uh, make a consensus that the transaction that you made uh, is correct. And to, uh, you know, uh, if, if you want to uh, disown or you know revert that transaction, a majority of uh, of the of the computers need to, uh, you know, achieve on a consensus. So mm -hmm. uh, the underlying technology is basically a consensus algorithm. It depends upon the type of the blockchain system that you are using. So there are uh, several types of blockchain architecture, depending upon a particular architecture, you will have a particular consensus algorithm. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is how a uh, system works. Okay, and, and I suppose a follow on from that, uh, this is the kind of the economist in, in me coming, coming out you know, where previously we had one computer, effectively a bank. Now we seem to have hundreds of computers. Is that not inherently inefficient? Uh, no, uh, basically, uh, uh, well, uh, I can say that the, the computer, it's the computer system itself, they are evolving. So previously we have the centralized systems. Okay, so the bank has uh, a central computer, but uh, if you uh, ask practically, there are multiple distributed computers that are located in different locations. Uh, because let's say let's say uh, you have a you have an account in a bank, and when you make a transaction, you know if the bank is geographically located in California and you are making a transaction over here, so there should be uh, some uh, some computer system over here uh, that that validate your transaction so that it can then very quickly. So uh, we can say that. Although it is centralized system, but it is uh, in practical, it is distributed system, uh, uh, geographically located in different locations. Mm -hmm. So uh, they are very much efficient. Now, uh, just giving you a context, the, the adoption of blockchain in practical uh, system uh, is taking time. Mm -hmm. The reason is that blockchain systems are not that much time efficient. If you use ATM card or any transaction, on Amazon or any other, uh, you know, uh, e-commerce site, mm -hmm. you 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 got just uh, validated very quickly yeah. because uh, th their their systems are actually centralized system. But when you talk about blockchain system, you know, you have to get consensus of uh, several computers, you know, lot of computers, and it takes around ten minutes or twelve minutes uh, 
depending upon the the type of the blockchain you are using so the transaction speed of blockchain system is the main technical obstacle uh, for the adoption of blockchain technology as compared to uh, the the current uh, traditional system that we are using okay and i suppose you mentioned there a technical obstacle um are 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 there also i suppose non-technical obstacles uh, obstacles and by that i mean uh, i can't imagine the banks are too keen on a lot of this kind of technology yes so so basically uh, when this technology emerged the first aspect is uh, you know uh, the trust uh, mm. we 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 rely on you know governments and these banks they, they are the credible uh, you know credible entities yes and if we somehow lose our current uh, trust or the banks are you know uh, bankrupt you know we we lose our money mm. so so there is a level of trust now how we can trust on these you know non trustable system through blockchain system so that is one of the ob- major obstacle mm-hmm. uh, for the public adoption the second thing is that uh, still this uh, this system is uh, not that much uh, you know fully settled down mm-hmm. there is a hype and if you look at the price of bitcoin you know more than 40000 us dollar one bitcoin mm-hmm. so there's a lot of money involvement and there are a lot of you know uh, things uh, at the back end so the serious persons they they, they are still uh, you know looking at how the uh, the technology get settled down and then they start adopting now in terms of banks uh, well initially banks uh, they were reluctant but now uh, they, uh, they they understand that the future will be of blockchain so they themselves investing on the on the blockchain system so mm-hmm. that they become part they adopt banks adopt the blockchain system uh, so uh, this is how the things are uh, moving and just just to clarify and going back to what you said about the consensus consensus system and the trust system um is that in practice essentially a series of checks and balances where other individuals are acting like the bank in that instance essentially you have other people or or more likely computers who are checking that if you're trying to transfer a certain amount of of cryptocurrency they're checking that you first of all own that cryptocurrency that you have it in your account to transfer and that you're transferring it to another credible account so essentially while you don't have a a, a third party in practice you do is essentially that is that the way it works in terms of blockchain yes okay yes exactly so uh, whatever uh, transaction you make Uh, initially that transaction is uh, just controlled by the bank let's say mm-hmm. traditionally now in the blockchain system that transaction or that ledger record will be recorded by each and every computer mm-hmm. so let, let's say if there is a central uh, database of a computer if that is uh, you know hacked yes. the whole system get down but in blockchain system since the copy of your record or copy of the ledger will be recorded everywhere let's say uh, thousands of computers so it is very difficult for an attacker or uh, for or for a cyber attack to compromise all these systems because the systems work jointly so you you need to uh, in one case you need to compromise more than 50% of the computers that are geographically located around the globe and it is uh, it seems difficult mm-hmm. so that is one of the great advantage that this blockchain system brings that uh, these uh, more than 50% of the computers they they uh, they work like uh, you know the third uh, the trusted third party yes. uh, you, you know, the role has been moved from one place to multiple, multiple computers interesting okay so so that, that that's kind of a, a, i i suppose one 
um, comfort that people who are conscious of blockchain and its security can take that actually from a hacking perspective, it might be more difficult to hack into a blockchain system when you're transferring money that way than, say, for example, your online banking and withdrawal of your money from your current account if they wish to. So so that's an interesting one. But you did tr- you did touch on an interesting topic there of um, the trusted banks and trusted governments. Um, and I suppose one big issue in the funds industry, for example, is AML and making sure that people are not um, using new technologies for money laundering. So I assume that that's going to be a massive risk with the further, more widespread adoption of blockchain, especially if the banks are looking to start using that technology and it becomes more ubiquitous across society and not just on um, cyber cyber um, cryptocurrency platforms. Um, so so are, are you seeing ways that people are coming up with to address um, money laundering risk, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera? Yes, blockchain uh, uh, provides very, uh, you know, uh, very good support mm-hmm. against uh, anti-money laundering. Mm-hmm. So basically, a blockchain system provides you, uh, you know, auditability, mm-hmm. transparency. Whatever you, uh, you tra- uh, transaction you make, uh, they will be transparent and traceable. So that that is one of the uh, uh, the, the important feature of blockchain system. Uh, and uh, researchers they they propose systems how one can track uh, money laundering through blockchain system. So it's it's an it's an efficient tool mm-hmm. to identify money laundering in, in a financial system. Okay, interesting. And, and, and Dr. Rahmani, tell me, we've chatted a little bit about the hacking side of things. Are are we aware that has that a has a blockchain ever been hacked? Is there any instances of it? Yes, yes, there there were several instances, um, uh, unfortunately, but. Uh, you know the systems are continuously improving mm-hmm. uh, so there were some instances where such things have, have been happening and there's also uh, an issue with the uh, pseudonymity uh, means when you create your wallets or when you uh, you know make transaction uh, you become uh, you know uh, some sort of invisible because of the privacy issues because of the gdpr issues mm-hmm. so uh, that is another issue uh, that researchers are trying to solve that how one can uh, they can easily track down the transaction who transfer uh, money from one place to another but who was the actual owner yes that that that, that is the that's thing the that our research, researchers are investigating mm-hmm. and that's the probably the biggest aml issue in that you can track what account it came from and where it went and you can audit that but who is the personality behind it uh if you're if you're carrying out kyc checks know your your customer checks it's really difficult to actually pinpoint the individuals behind these so yes. i think those are all probably issues that might need to be worked out in due course before it comes more into the mainstream but interesting though what you had mentioned about how each of the ledgers can be audited because that's very helpful from an AML perspective. So if you can overcome some of these obstacles, I can imagine it would be a very popular um, technology to be implemented. And I suppose just to move move on, I suppose, from the AML, etc. piece, another another um, issue as such, which has been brought up um, recently, is um, the, the concept of mining and how that has an impact from an environmental perspective. So before we go on to the environmental piece of mining, first of all, um, from, a, from a layman's perspective, I'm not entirely certain how mining Bitcoin works. I recently read an article about how a teenager in the US was using multiple computers in his parents' basement to mine uh, lots and lots of Bitcoin. H- how does that work in practice when people go out to mine a cryptocurrency? Okay, so uh, let me explain you in detail. Mm-hmm. So blockchain is basically composed of blocks uh, and these blocks are linked together uh, in sequential order. And each of these blocks contain multiple transactions. So let's say 
uh, if someone uh, wants to make a transaction, that transaction will go into a mempool and then minor node will come. The minor node will be a, any computer that is interested to uh, uh, to gain some uh, to gain some benefits. Now that that minor node will try to mine a cryptographic puzzle. Uh, uh, this is based on hashing algorithm, and they they try to solve it. If they uh, if that minor minor node or computer solve that puzzle, they uh, they will be able to add the block to the blockchain. Uh, means a number of transactions to the blockchain. So this is how add a block to the blockchain. And when they solve this puzzle, cryptographic puzzle and add a block, they will be rewarded by the, uh, the blockchain system. For example, currently, if someone mines and add a block to the Bitcoin blockchain, uh, he or she will get 6.25 BTC. Uh, and if you remember, one BTC worth more 40, than 42,000 wow. US dollars it's around 37 uh, around 37000 euros so mining a, uh, a one block with a bitcoin will cost you know 2031000 uh, uh, euros that's a, so th that is the amount uh, which uh, you know uh, you know it's uh, people around the to uh, to invite. Mm -hmm. now the, the issue is that mining is basically uh, th there's a there's a hash value that your computer needs to solve and there's a uh, difficulty that is al also uh, provided there so that your your computer uh, will try to solve that cryptographic hashing algorithm and try to uh, come up uh, uh, solve it, it it takes time mm -hmm. because the difficulty also increases as time the the, the bitcoin uh, blockchain works like that now uh, if you are able to solve that cryptographic puzzle and add the mine, you will definitely go a huge amount of money. So this is the main reason why people are interested in uh, mining process. Mm -hmm. This also makes the blockchain, you know, when someone asks, why, why should I use this blockchain system? Why should we keep, uh, uh, you know, uh, get ourselves involved in blockchain? So in order to motivate the users, they, they, um, they include this reward mechanism so that uh, people uh, try to uh, include blocks in the blockchain system. So in simple words, mining is a process try to solve a cryptographic uh, puzzle uh, provided by the... So in Bitcoin blockchain, we have proof of work uh, consensus algorithm that tells us uh, what to solve in, in that cryptographic puzzle. Now, if you look at... Uh, if you look back in... Uh, 20, uh, uh, 20, uh, uh, 2009, uh, your computer can easily solve uh, the mining puzzle uh, uh, easily. And it, it doesn't uh, take too much energy because you are just running your computer at home. But today, if you want to uh, solve a mining puzzle of the Bitcoin, uh, it, uh, it will be around, uh, you know, uh, a full a home of uh, a full room of computers that need to solve that puzzle and it will be equivalent to the energy of uh, household electricity usage of nine years of worth wow. Means the, the energy that you will consume in nine years in your household that will be uh, uh, that much energy equivalent and if you look at uh, you know uh, there's there's a cambridge bitcoin electricity consumption index by which so it uh, it 
it uh, captures how much uh, energy uh, the block is consuming. So you will be amazed to see that uh, in uh, uh, it uh, it is consuming 5.94 gigawatt. Uh, it's around 52 uh, hour of energy, and it is equivalent to the energy uh, consumption of a country like Argentina. Uh, Argentina. Wow. And uh, one of the study suggested by uh, BBC, if you uh, if Bitcoin uh, was a country, it would be in the top 30 energy users worldwide. So this is how how much energy they are consuming, and there are um, uh, mining pools uh, in different countries around the globe. They just, uh, you know, uh, invest a lot of money in gathering uh, these uh, uh, these computers, mm -hmm. uh, specialized devices, uh, to solve these cryptographic puzzles. And then, if they earn, um, you know, few bitcoins out of that, they are earning a lot. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, you know, when you gather a lot of computers, this mining process or this uh, uh, this whole process. Uh, depends uh, on a uh, few factors yeah. uh, and it consumes a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. For example, the cryptographic mining cons uh, cons um, involves the hardware computing power. You know, you have the computer, you have the CPU and GPUs yeah. that also consume some energy. And when you gather thousands of computers together, they all together consume a lot of energy. Sure. And sure. when they consume a lot of energy and when they are there in certain room, you need you know, uh, air conditioning system mm -hmm. and that air conditioning system, you know, it increases uh, the energy consumption at a huge amount. So the main energy that is consumed is the air conditioning environment uh, to keep them that, cool. is, that we need to provide uh, to cool down these computers. And there is also, uh, you know, some network hash rate and thermal regulation of the hardware and, and, and the difficulty as well. But this is how the mining consumes this lot of energy around the globe. Interesting. Okay. That's, that's amazing. Um, and I suppose uh, maybe some of our listeners might have picked up on that because that's something that seems to be getting into the popular press uh, a little bit more uh, in that, uh, if I'm correct, the Chinese have, prob have, have, have shut down uh, a lot of this mining, maybe not for environmental reasons, maybe for other reasons. But has there be, has, does this put pressure onto uh, the electricity grids of some countries because of all these... Uh, computers are drawing power. Yes, yes. Even if you uh, see some recent news, uh, th there was some uh, country in in, uh, in near, near Russia, uh, Kazakhstan or Kyrgyzstan. I don't remember the name. Mm. Uh, that country was shut down due to uh, due to public protest. And when it, it was shut down, there was uh, riots. Uh, the Bitcoin, the electricity grid was also effective, and this also made an effect on the mining facilities. And if you see uh, then the uh, the prices of the bitcoin they also varied because the, those mining uh, facilities were uh, were not operating uh, uh, properly so uh, yes I, I can say that uh, these uh, mining uh, facilities has a lot of impact mm. on the on the grid itself and uh, it consumes a lot of energy that's, that's interesting. So that's going back to John's economics and the basic principle of supply and demand, that once you stop the mining, it actually has an impact on the price of the Bitcoin that are already in existence because these miners had to shut up shop because of the shutdowns. That's, that's a very interesting concept that I hadn't actually thought of before. So, And, and I suppose to, to take it back to the basics then, there are a number of issues. So John and I have decided that we're going to use blockchain technology. John gives up his job as an accounting lecturer and is uh, <laughs> going to spend all of his days mining. But the issue is the 
energy that's going to need to be consumed um, for, for that. And as you said, it's not just the computers. It's actually the air conditioning that is needed to keep these systems cool um, and, and everything that goes along with that. So... Um, just to bring it back to, I suppose, the environmental impact, what are people in the blockchain and cyber uh, cryptocurrency, excuse me, communities saying about how that can be improved? Um, are they looking towards, um, you know, fully uh, renewable sources of energy to power these mining systems? Or, or, or has there been any kind of solutions mooted to stop it, the, the kind of detrimental impact on the energy grids of various countries? So uh, if you look at the, you know, the Bitcoin mining map, mm. geographical location, you will see that uh, those mining uh, facilities are normally, uh, they are placing it in, in cold countries, cold weather countries. This is the first thing. Second thing is that, uh, uh, of course, there are some efforts uh, of using renewable energy resources uh, to power up those things. But, uh, you know, uh, there's, a, there's a whole debate uh, mm. around the use of uh, renewable energy resources sure. and how much they are effective uh, mm. uh, globally. So uh, researchers, uh, basically this topic is, uh, uh, is, uh, is under consideration by the researchers. There are different aspects how we can improve the efficiency of these uh, blockchain systems in, in terms of uh, energy. Mm. The first thing is uh, technically uh, the improvement in the consensus algorithm. So uh, you know, Bitcoin blockchain use proof of work. So there are uh, other uh, uh, blockchain systems, cryptographic systems, uh, cryptocurrency systems, where we are using different types of, uh, uh, you can say, uh, the consensus algorithms. Mm -hmm. So those consensus algorithms, they are not using the same approach used by the Bitcoin blockchain. So they they they, uh, they doesn't require uh, they don't require the uh, the, the energy consumption. So a lot of effort uh, has been there in order to improve how this con uh, consensus algorithm uh, works, mm. and th there are several variants in the uh, in the in the market available. Okay. This is one thing. The second thing is that uh, uh, you know the uh, the fundamental uh, research in in the domain of computer science how they can uh, you know propose uh, energy efficient uh, hardware uh, like a CPU or um, how we can further reduce the energy consumption by these uh, computer systems. So on both directions, researchers are working and they are coming up with solutions, but definitely uh, it, it will take time. And it's the, it's the Bitcoin uh, system that is consuming a lot of energy because of the, because of the, uh, you know, the amount it the mining. carries, yeah. mining and, and the reward it gives uh, to the system. So mm -hmm. uh, particularly Bitcoin is consuming a lot of energy. And I, I suppose that's a point um, that we need to, I suppose, take on board briefly is that actually the blockchain itself isn't causing these detrimental environmental impacts. It's the Bitcoin mining or the other kind of cryptocurrency mining. We can still use blockchain technology in other useful ways uh, without it being detrimental to the environment. And I think that's an important distinction that sometimes gets lost when Bitcoin and uh, blockchain are conflated. Um, so, yes, yeah, exactly. Apologies. And I, I suppose then, um, uh, Dr. Rahmani, if say I, I've I, I'm, I've set up my blockchain uh, and it's nothing to do with Bitcoin, okay? Um, why then do people kind of allow their computers uh, to uh, be part of this distributed ledger? What, what's in it for them? So one incentive is you know the the cryptocurrency itself. So. There's a lot of money uh, involved, and uh, you know, for a newbie, 
uh, when they say that, okay, you just need to create a wallet and uh, put your computers on uh, solving the puzzle and you will be rewarded with the money, a lot of money without too much effort. So that, that is one of the incentives that uh, that a lot of people are, uh, you know, attracting towards a blockchain system. Now, uh, another aspect is that, uh, let, let's say you, uh, you are, uh, uh, you are a consortium of automobiles and you, you have different automobile uh, companies and you want that all the records of those automobiles uh, need to be maintained in a proper way. Mm-hmm. So uh, when you have, uh, when you will launch that blockchain system of automobiles, people uh, belonging uh, to that sector will be the part of the, that blockchain system. Similarly, if you, uh, if you uh, move your you know, supply chain system on the blockchain system, from retailer to supplier to you know producer and uh, and maintain it through the blockchain system everybody involved in the supply chain system will part of will become part of that blockchain system so uh, it is not necessary that everyone become the part of every blockchain it depends upon the use case and application where we are using that blockchain so having said that uh, bitcoin cryptocurrency are blo- uh, based on blockchain system but blockchains are not 100% cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. it's just uh, you know cryptocurrencies i can say that safely 5% or 10% application of blockchain system there are numerous other applications of blockchain in in every sector uh, uh, where we can apply this blockchain mm-hmm. system yeah and I, I suppose maybe one thing that i i think i just need a bit of clarification in in my own head then for you know what you've described there to me sounds like a kind of a quasi closed system in that uh, you have uh, maybe a whole load of suppliers getting together and as a set together a blockchain system um, and it goes back to this idea of trust then how can you trust if it looks as if this is something that has been put together by uh, one particular sector yes so uh, so uh, it goes to the the type of the blockchain you are using so there are three types of blockchain system public blockchain and consortium blockchain so public blockchain systems are those systems uh, that are publicly available. Anyone at any time can become the part of that blockchain. And uh, whenever they want, they can leave that blockchain. And that blockchain is completely transparent, immutable, publicly available. Now, uh, in, in those particular type of blockchain, public blockchain system, uh, we use we generally use you know, proof of work consensus algorithm. And it costs a lot of energy. And one such example is Bitcoin blockchain. Now, if you move to the, uh, the other extreme, which is private blockchain, where only the uh, allowed people can become the part of that blockchain. And there, we don't need this proof of work consensus algorithm or the, the typical consensus algorithm that we require in, in Bitcoin blockchain. There, it, it will be work like a, a bank, a central entity, but having different other features that blockchain support. Now, in between, we have the consortium blockchain. That consortium blockchain has both the uh, the the public essence and and the uh, and the private essence. So it's in the middle. It's not fully public, but a consortium of uh, companies uh, will become the part of that. We have a specified a specific consortium. So there may be uh, a consensus uh, developed by few companies uh, to allow any record to be blockchain. So there different types of consensus algorithm work so depending upon the nature of the blockchain we have uh, this uh, variation in the in the type of mining and in the type of uh, consensus and how the records are added 
to the blockchain. And, and those particular ones, then the, the, the latter ones you were describing, they wouldn't be as environmentally um, damaging. Exactly, exactly. Because let's say if there's a uh, consortium block, there, there may be uh, two or three companies that will be just uh, uh, validating uh, the transactions and adding blocks to the blockchain. So there, there will not be necessarily uh, the proof of work consensus algorithm that will be working over there. So it will not be consuming that, many, that much energy. It will be like uh, a traditional database system, but having unique features that blockchain provides. So, so just to clarify that in my own mind, um, if I'm not picking it up, but it, it is, is, would an example be, for example, if all of the uh, technological universities in Ireland, they were going to form a blockchain um, to transfer money for whatever reason, whether it was relating to funding applications when they were on joint projects, etc. And say you had um, 10 organisations uh, working on a blockchain, you're saying that that would be a consortium blockchain and essentially they decide how the algorithm would work and and they would they 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 set out at the start that there's a trust relationship and all 10 of them then would verify the transaction on the basis that they trust one another and you know they would trust then if say for example um MTU um transferred money to TU Dublin or vice versa it, it, because there is that trust relationship it's then almost generally uh, regulated uh, transfer system. So instead of using um, a Bank of Ireland to AIB transfer between organisations, you just use this internal consortium. Is that is that how it works or am I being too simplistic in terms of how I'm yes, describing yeah. it? This yeah. is how exactly it, it will work and it also provides you as well. For example, it will provide currency, mm -hmm. it will provide you immutability, availability, uh, security and non-reputation. Mm -hmm. So uh, in, uh, in the traditional banking system, uh, when you go through AIB system, you know, you have to make a request uh, to AIB or that to provides you some data. Mm -hmm. But when you make a consortium of these universities within Ireland, uh, they can all, always check uh, who made transition to whom and what, what, are, what are the intermediate steps and each and everything will be recorded and uh, things will be much more uh, easier to manage uh, in, in, in that particular uh, blockchain consortium systems of the universities. Okay, I understand that. You could see how that could be applicable in a number of instances, couldn't you, John? Oh yeah, and mm -hmm. and, and I suppose, um, it, it, I guess my my question now is, I suppose around are, are these blockchains in use? We just can't see them because we're you know it's like we don't necessarily when we try when we go to the bank machine or whatever we don't necessarily know what's happening in the bank in the background. Um, to so to what extent. Has blockchain uh, not without our knowledge? It's not just without our knowledge, but it's just happened uh, as part of ongoing technological improvements. Yes, a lot of companies are investing. EU itself ha have uh, have a lot of involvement in blockchain systems, and they are, and they have uh, rolled out different projects. For example, a medical uh, electronic uh, medical record system. They are going to be shifted on on blockchain system. There are some other uh, industries which are adopting. Uh, big companies uh, like IBM uh, and Microsoft, Google, they are also, you know, investing a lot on these blockchain systems, and they are they are trying to check uh, how much uh, uh, they 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 are applicable uh, uh, in the practical scenario. Uh, one of the major uh, bottleneck is again the transaction speed supported by these systems. So these systems they have uh, still some ongoing issues. Uh, for example, issues related with privacy. Uh, they, they are the major, uh, uh, you know, obstacle in adopting the mm -hmm. system because of the GDPR in, in, in the European context. 
So uh, uh, I, I don't have any uh, specific figure uh, in terms of percentage or in terms of adoption of blockchain, but you know, governments and countries uh, around the globe, they are investing a lot and they are uh, checking the system in parallel and uh, slowly and gradually they are adopting this blockchain technology. Mm. And, and just to bring it back to, I suppose, our listenership, because many of our listeners will be in funds administration um, and that um, has traditionally involved uh, electronic transfer of money. Previously, manual, there's been a move over the years from fax to email orders, transfers, et cetera, et cetera. Do you think that eventually financial services will be adopting blockchain for more streamlined transfer of monies for, for investments? Is, is, that, is that where the future lies, do you think? Yes, I think uh, uh, this is the uh, this is where we are heading uh, mm-hmm. in terms of uh, adoption of blockchain technology. Interesting. Uh, definitely, there the, the, it may take a few years, maybe mm-hmm. a decade, to fully uh, fully replace the traditional database system. But uh, they they are being adopted uh, with with a with a with a quick speed. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's it's interesting because things are changing at such a, a high pace. And then I suppose one follow up question to that is. Can you see a world um, in due course where all physical money is actually replaced by some of these digital monies, or do you think that they'll ever that'll ever be fully fully replaced? Uh, I cannot. Uh, of course not. Person, of course you, not. But you can you can see there are NFTs these yes. days, and you know a lot of uh, people who uh, who owns the you know the intellectual properties. Uh, like audio songs or video songs or pictures or cards or movies or gif images they they, they are using these nft technologies that are basically based on uh, ethereum or blockchain system yes so uh, they, they are uh, you know everything is moving in, with a very quick pace so mm-hmm. maybe there, there may be a time where we we move towards uh, uh, using blockchain system fully mm. uh, but you know uh, the major problem will be of uh, the governments yes. because the governments you know uh, even if one part of uh, of the, of of the uh, of of the globe using uh, those blockchain system another part may not be using it because uh, they they may not trust on 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 the underlying technologies uh, that are used by the blockchain system i understand yeah and and i suppose then when you're looking when we're looking to the future um am i right in saying that the, the main barriers to uh, further further uh, adoption of blockchain applications are the main barriers now more in the human kind of political sphere than in the technological sphere in other words the technology now is is relatively stable uh, I, I think and both uh, both uh, both uh, aspects have their implication on the adoption of the blockchain technology the the governments and the political sphere they are also having their reservation mm-hmm. and uh, at the technological front uh, we are not uh, able to uh, come up with a system uh, that is uh, fully replacing the transaction speed of the current systems. So, uh, you know, still the researchers are working and yeah. uh, we hope that the, the governments will come up with some regulatory uh, efforts uh, in the adoption of the blockchain and on the other front, researchers will be solving these issues. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I suppose as well, uh, there's the issues that we've discussed uh, on top of that between knowing your customer checks plus the environmental issues. But all of these are are interesting um, issues to be worked out and hopefully will lead to more widespread use of of a useful technology as you've as you've outlined its many uses. 
Um, I think that's um, where we might leave you go. We've already taken up a lot of your time, Dr. Amani. We really, really appreciate um, you sitting down and explaining to us um, in basic terms, I'm sure, given your high level of expertise, uh, you're probably more used to explaining to far more sophisticated um, people than myself. And uh, John, no offence, John, I'm not putting you in the same bucket as myself. But um, given that um, we constantly speak about digital assets in our industry, I think it is really important sometimes to take a step back and look at what the technology behind it actually is and how it actually works because you're never going to be able to implement a new technology unless people understand it and its implications. So we really, really do appreciate um, the time you've given us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dr. Akhmani. Bye now. Thank you for listening. As always, this podcast is available on all good podcast platforms and indeed through our website, funsacademy.ie. 